now for your feature presentation. One, or two, or three, or four, five, or five. What's up, listeners? I am your host, X-Video Store Clerk, Undiscovered Screenwriter, and fellow listener Jason Kleberg. And this is Force 5, a show where I force my guests to come up with a movie-themed top 5 list topic, and then we reveal our picks on air. Normally. Today's episode is a little different, as we're dipping our toes into Force 5 Live, a game where two people draft films from someone's filmography, and the winner is decided on by the listeners. For a while, these drafts were Patreon exclusives, and this one here was recorded with the intention of being a Patreon exclusive, but as my Patreon listeners already know, I paused the Patreon feed a couple of weeks ago. Now, this was a tough decision, but I think it was the right one. I started the Patreon feed as a way to play around with some new ideas, like this draft format. I did some solo top five lists, I was thinking about doing some other things, and while it was really fun, running both the main feed and the Patreon feed started to stress me out. It's one thing when you're doing the show for fun, it's another thing when people are paying you, and I took that really seriously. If people were giving me their hard-earned money, I needed to give them what they deserved. And I had a lot of stuff going on personally family stuff, commitments outside of the podcast world, and I felt like I wasn't meeting the commitments that I had made to my Patreon users, and it put a ton of tension on me. And that's not why I started podcasting. It took a lot of introspection to come to the decision to pause it, because I did feel like I was letting my listeners down, and it weighed heavily on my shoulders. And my wife one day gave me some perspective. She said, the one who's going to take this the hardest is you. And I hope that's true. I hope I didn't let anybody down, but uh, I paused it. Now, some good things came out of the last, I don't know, seven or eight months that the feed was up. First off, I like doing drafts, so they're still going to happen once in a while on the main feed. I'm trying to work out how I work these in. I also had a lot of fun with the vinegar syndrome corner, so I'm going to try and keep that going in some capacity. And I like doing the extra bonus reviews when I got the time, so I'm going to be sprinkling those in too. But with so much going on in my personal life with my kid, my wife, my writing, I just could not commit to those other things for a paying audience. So uh, that being said, I want to thank a couple people who are with me from the very beginning on the Patreon feed. First off, my executive producers, Peter Beta from the Middle Class Film Class podcast, Musa Mahmood. Rupert Bumblestein, Bumblestein, Sean Aguilar, Ryan Golan from the New World Pictures podcast, who you're going to hear from today, Carlos Mota, and Eric Peacock from the Soundtracker podcast. Thanks so much for being with me from the beginning, you listeners. I, uh, I really appreciate it. All right, on to this week's featured review, the 1980 Steve McQueen film, The Hunter. Bounty hunters became extinct over 100 years ago. But someone forgot to tell Ralph Thorson. Sheriff wants to see you. Heard a lot about you, Mr. Thorson. It's all bad. <laughs> when he's on the job, anything he does is legal. Man, that's a law. Steve McQueen is the hunter. A true story. Rated PG. Starts today, Village Westwood, Chinese Hollywood, and a theater near you. The Hunter is a loose biographical action film based on the life of Ralph Papa Thorson, a 1970s bounty hunter who logged over 5,000 cases in his career and then died somehow in 1991. I'll get, I'll get into more on that later. 
The film follows Papa as he bags bad guys, manages the fact that he's about to be a dad, and faces off with a psychopath who wants him dead. Steve McQueen plays Papa Thorson, a role that's about as un-McQueen as it gets. It's actually an interesting turn for him, and a fun look at what his career could have been in his later years as he transitioned from the king of cool to an old on-screen codger. Unfortunately, McQueen died shortly after filming this at age 50 from a heart attack after he traveled to Juarez, Mexico for lung surgery to remove a cancerous tumor against the advice of his doctors. Watching this film as the second part of a double feature with Bullet would be a treat because he's so cool in Bullet, and then here he's tucking his t-shirt into his jeans, drives like an asshole, and sloppily survives most of his encounters through sheer luck and tenacity. Other characters in the film include Thorson's girlfriend Dottie, who is in her third trimester. Through her, we understand that Papa Thorson does not like new things. He doesn't like change. He's into old, like, wind-up toys, old cars, old technology. Apparently not older women, though, because Dottie's played by Catherine Harold, who is 20 years younger than McQueen when this was filmed. She's not utilized a whole lot here, but gets a damsel-in-distress moment late in the film. LeVar Burton plays Tommy Price, the first bounty we see Papa Thorson bring in. He's a nice guy, ends up staying at Thorson's house to fix his home appliances. Apparently this was a thing. The real Thorson would frequently do this with his catches. He would put them up and help them get on their feet after bringing them in. So when Thorson walks into his house in the movie, you see a bunch of guys playing poker. And it's never explained in the film. So like until the movie was over and I was researching this, I didn't know what the heck was going on. I thought maybe he lived in some type of convent or I had no idea. Eli Wallach is also here in a very small role as Thorson's boss. The Hunter feels like a TV movie. That's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It just feels like a TV movie. Back in the 70s and 80s, there were a few different kinds of TV movies. There were full-on film productions that were intended to air on TV. Then there were films made up of random episodes of TV just hacked together, like The Flash 2, Revenge of the Trickster from 1990, which just cut up episodes 13 and 22 of The Flash TV show. And then there were television films that were made with the intention of being a pilot for a show that just failed to materialize. This feels like one of those. In fact, each of the stories here could have been a 45-minute episode of TV, easily. Thorson picking up Tommy and befriending him on the drive from Houston back to L.A. On the way, Thorson picks up another bounty, a southern brute with no intention of coming back with a smile on his face. Then he goes to Nebraska where he chases a Trans Am with a corn harvester. Then there's Thorson heading to Chicago to take down a violent ex-con named Anthony Bernardo, a police captain who's under investigation for stealing from the evidence locker, and a psycho that Thorson once put away who's out of jail and looking for revenge. There's a ton of stuff happening in this film, clearly enough for a series, but when you try to smash it all into an hour and a half, it all kind of feels half-baked. And yet with all of that action, somehow, the middle of this film feels really slow. The movie was directed by Buzz Kulik, who was directing a ton of TV movies at the time, including the small-screen classic Bad Ronald. The score in this film is very disappointing. It's probably the worst thing about it. It feels like it's about eight years too late, but could play over the credits of a sitcom. Now, all that said, that's not to say that the film isn't good. It's actually a lot of fun when it gets moving, and most of that is because McQueen and the fact that he's playing totally against type. The film has a very funny vibe, like these little moments of comedy that are sprinkled throughout, like the fact that McQueen cannot park a car to save his life, or and he's just a terrible driver. And while the action scenes are kind of few and far between, there's a great scene in Chicago that has an amazing stunt featuring McQueen's stunt double hanging off the side of a moving train that he did with no wires. 
Uh, and then that transitions into a pretty good foot chase and then into a car chase as well. The movie does give me a lot of questions about the logistics of the bounty hunter profession. The beginning text crawl explains that bounty hunters were becoming kind of a dying breed, which makes sense when you see the collateral damage left behind in each of Thorson's encounters. Several bystanders are blown away, cars are destroyed, buildings are shredded, yet Thorson just kind of walks away from each encounter with a shrug and a whoops look on his face, and there's no consequences for this dude in any way. It's weird when the final scene is supposed to feel like a happy moment, but then you remember that there's this poor security guard that Thorson just left to bleed out in a burning building just a couple miles away. If you're looking for a great Steve McQueen film to watch, I would not start here. Films like The Blob, The Great Escape, The Thomas Crown Affair, Bullet, and The Getaway are all superior films. But if you want to see the cap on a stellar but very short career, this film is not a terrible time. Sure, it's a mess, but how can you not like seeing McQueen on screen? even if he's 50 and looks 65. Roger Ebert really disliked this one, giving it one and a half stars. He wrote, After making The Towering Inferno in 1974, superstar Steve McQueen takes himself off the market. He rejects several highly publicized multi-million dollar deals. He makes an art film of Ibsen's An Enemy of the People in 1976. It is never released. In 1979, he comes out of retirement to make Tom Horn and The Hunter. Both are complete flops. Sometimes the only way to retain your mystique is to retire. Vincent Camby of the New York Times might have hated the film even more than Ebert, writing, The Hunter is an exceptionally clumsy, unpleasant action melodrama based on real-life adventures of Ralph Papa Thorson, and continues by saying, Because Papa is motivated as a bounty hunter solely by the money he earns, it's difficult to care much about him and impossible to admire him. He's just another small-time hustler. Justice is beside the point. If you're curious, Kino Lorber recently restored the film sourced from a new 4K master that was sourced from the original camera negative. The Blu-ray picture looks pristine and is apparently a different master than the 2022 Australian release of the film. And on the audio side, the two-channel track sounds great, aside from the stupid music choices in the movie. The main extra here on the disc is a commentary featuring critics Steve Mitchell and Nathaniel Thompson. And the only other extras on the disc are trailers and TV spots, both for this film and some other Steve McQueen films. You also get one for a, a random Chuck Norris film, Code of Silence, which I also got in my Kino Lorber Hall, and a random uh, Charles Bronson movie trailer for Murphy. So I said I was going to come back to Thorson's death. Now, the Wikipedia article on this says that the real Papa Thorson was killed by a car bomb by a fugitive he was chasing named Q.D. Reese. The source is credited to Christopher Keene's follow-up on his book The Hunter called The Huntress, which details the lives of Thorson's wife and daughter, who in real life helped him with some of his captures, which is obviously never the case in the film. Now, nothing I can find anywhere says that there was any evidence of him dying by car bomb. And I also can't find anything online about a guy named Q.D. Reese. So this obviously begs the question, did any of the stuff in this film actually happen? And I guess that doesn't matter, but as a, as it's called like a semi-biographical film, it does make me wonder how much of this film is, is real life. If you liked The Hunter, Keen's book The Huntress was actually turned into a TV show in 2000 that ran for one season on USA. All right, a couple more things before we get into this draft. If you want more of my voice, I was on two other podcasts recently. The first is the Select and Start podcast. Kiefer invited me on to talk about a video game that's near and dear to my heart, GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo 64. 
His show is awesome. It's all about video games, and I was super excited to talk to him. He's going to be on my show, too, in the near future, so go get warmed up to his voice. And then the second podcast I guested on was The Film Vaulters, hosted by my friend Mitch Burns. We talked about uh, my relationship to The Film Vault, how he ripped my show off, how I ripped The Film Vault off, and then we talked about top five film characters we'd like to have a beer with. So go listen to The Film Vaulters as Mitch and I get drunker and drunker as that show goes on. Last thing we need to do before we get into the drafts, plug today's sponsor. It's getting hot out here in California, and if you find yourself in the middle of cow country for some reason, the best way to cool off is at Oakwood Lakes, home of the Manteca Water Slides. Mention the Force 5 podcast upon entry and gain a fast pass for the VMAX, California's tallest water slide. And yes, the only reason I played this ad was to get that jingle stuck in Moose and Sean's heads. You're welcome. Let's get to the draft with the New World Pictures podcast. Top 5 anything just gives me anxiety, to be very honest with you. (laughs) That I'm like... Hello, Patreon users, and welcome to the sixth episode of Force 5 Live, and the first focusing on a director. Force 5 Live is a twist on the main show format that pits two contenders against one another in order to draft the best five of one person's filmography, and the winner is decided on by Force 5 listeners. Tonight, we've got two co-hosts and brothers from the New World Pictures podcast to draft Dario Argento films. In the corner to my right is a Force 5 executive producer, Ryan Goland, who you may remember from episode 97, top five Charles Bronson films. Ryan, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, Thank you for having us, Jason. I'm excited to uh, go up against my brother and uh, see who makes the better Argento list. This is going to be intense. This is going to be intense. Yeah. And of course, in the corner to my left, we've got Ryan's co-host and brother, Mark Goland. How are you, Mark? I'm doing great. You know, I'm feeling a little tight, but uh, I think it's a little stretches and I'll be good. Uh, what matters, though, is I have impeccable taste when it comes to Italian horror movies. So I'm excited to see what bullshit Ryan tries to dish up for me. <laughs> this is uh, I'm really feeling some early uh, sibling rivalry already. This could really dig into those, uh, you know, Easter. I don't know how Easter is going to go if you guys get together on Easter here after this draft. We'll see. Yeah, this this will probably determine whether or not that happens. So, <laughs> Well, we're going to get more into into your show here in a little bit. But uh, first, we, we got to talk about the subject of honor today, mm-hmm. Dario 
Argento. He's one of the most influential Italian horror directors of all time, really horror directors of all time, closely connected, of course, to the 70s boom and great giallo films, some even calling him like the godfather of the subgenre. He started out in the early 60s working as a film critic for a newspaper in Rome and then went into screenwriting, co-writing one of the best Westerns of all time, Once Upon a Time in the West. And then he made his directorial debut in 1970 with The Bird and the Crystal Plumage and released his newest film, Dark Glasses, just last year at the ripe age of 82 years old. In between, we've got some of the finest, weirdest, and most interesting horror films of all time. (laughs) And today we're going to see who comes up with the best list. Um, Now, before we get into the draft and the rules and stuff, I'm I'm curious about you and uh, your relationship with Dario Argento. So I'm going to start with Ryan. Um, What's what's your relationship with Argento? When did you first see an Argento film and what draws you to him as a drafting subject? I well, what what drew both Mark and I to this and why I thought of Mark to do this is I'm pretty sure we saw our first Argento together, which was or at least. So one saw and said you got to watch it and we watched it together we were both living in san francisco going to college and so uh we there was a great video store called lay video then at the time had a great italian section or director section of, of fulci argento and so i'm pretty sure the first one i saw was probably deep red mm-hmm. and is that right yeah mark's nodding so i'm telling this right and uh we pretty much were then going to lay video, getting all the Argentos we could, trying to rent, and then also alternating with Fulci as well and trying to watch all his stuff. And pretty much at that point, fell in love with uh, Italian cinema. And uh, now I, we've been, uh, <laughs> I'm speaking for both of us, but we both have been, you know, we're Vinegar Syndrome uh, uh, uh uh, subscribers subscribers that's the word i'm yep. looking for and um so but before that we were still we're getting all the forgotten gialli box sets <laughs> you know we're getting all the giallos that we possibly can watching them uh mark gave me uh uh, uh so deadly so perverse the 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 book um about yeah. giallo from troy howarth uh so i've been using that as a as a guide as well uh, i'm realizing i need to get the first volume as well because uh, he cuts it off right at 1974 and for the second one when you're like, oh, the early 70s is such a great boom of stuff. So, yeah, it basically, you know, unlocked a lot of love for Italian cinema, which also now bleeds into like spaghetti westerns and Polizio Teskis and all the like crime, Euro crime stuff. And so, yeah, pretty much just a huge love of it. But on top of it all, Argento is just one of, you know, my absolute favorite directors uh and uh, i think for mark as well so that's why i thought we if we were going to do anything we'd i felt like carpenter would have been too too tricky uh maybe i'm wrong but um so i decided to go for argento all right and and mark how about you uh i'm sure well like like he said same movie that you saw at the same time pretty similar ride for you and and uh ryan when it comes to dario argento absolutely so (laughs) ryan has his history a little bit off but that's okay. <laughs> he has it mostly right. <laughs> we, we had uh, heard about Dario Gento um, from friends in, uh, in college. We were both taking a road trip to go visit my parents for Thanksgiving. Uh, they were in a cabin in the mountains, and we mm. bought at Tower Video 
a VHS uh, of Suspiria and a VHS of Deep Red. Now, we'd heard about these movies, but we hadn't watched them. We thought, this is perfect. We'll bring them to the cabin. We didn't know what we'd be doing there because the first time we had gone to this cabin with my parents and or our parents, and we thought, this is yours, your parents. I'm learning something about my... These... These videos were maybe the worst copy of so each, bad. each respective movie that you've ever seen. Everything that you would expect, scan and pan, really blurry, horrible lighting. It was terrible. But we loved each one individually and were so impressed with the style in which it was all shot. Mm-hmm. And prior to mm-hmm. that, we had always been really aware and, and very much appreciated um, – uh, cinematography and and having a having really unique camera angles and a lot of movement with with camera angles we had been watching up to that i think we'd been watching a lot of john woo movies so that was also kind of leading into that that time period sure um mm-hmm. and so we got back to san francisco yes we went to lay video lay video also had copies of all these movies that you couldn't get in the united states um, and while maybe not the best copies, it was the only way you could get it. This is pre-internet, so you, you weren't able to, to download it in any way. And we would just go in and rent all of these. And we dove into Lucio Fulci movies. I remember putting on uh, New York Ripper and my, my roommates saying to me, Mark, you watch a lot of fucked up things, but this is really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I yeah. couldn't disagree yeah. with them, but um, – yeah. You know, that's really where the love of this stemmed from. I agree that we could have gone through a, a John Carpenter's filmography and probably still had a, a good debate, but uh, Argento takes some really big swings, bigger swings, I think, mm-hmm. than John Carpenter does. Not all of those swings are smart, um, but I think that's what's going to make this uh, battle royale all the more interesting because <laughs> yeah. I think each of us are, are at least our first three. We yeah. know what each other are going to say. Probably it's those bottom two. Yeah, that are going to be it's, real curiosity. The, the bottom of the list is going to get interesting because you can't select the same one. So that's going to get interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is um, this is going to be an interesting draft altogether because it seems like when you look in the horror community online, there are like six or seven films that could easily be at the top of somebody's list, and it's. I think that it's going to be a tough choice for people when they see your list side by side to see who they would side with just because you know you have those people that ride really hard for certain films like mm-hmm. you have those people that no matter how good deep red and suspiria are opera's their favorite or mm-hmm. four flies is their favorite and and whatever's on the top is going to sway that person so this one's going to be really interesting <laughs> yep <laughs> it will but ultimately they'll pick my list so i'm not oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to, to hmm. what you guys pick. And hmm. there's also a lot of Dario Argento that I haven't seen. So hopefully I'm going to get some recommendations. Just just start with Mother of Tears. Just start right there. Just... <laughs> the the Mother's Trilogy. The end of the Mother's the end, Trilogy. The end. Go start at the end. Work your way backwards. That's the best way to do it. Your uh, your story about the video store having like the basically like the bootleg cuts or those cuts you couldn't get anywhere else really makes me nostalgic for those mom and pop video stores because you couldn't get for that sure. stuff as like your blockbusters and Hollywood videos. Mm-mm. And uh, Mm-mm. yeah, I really miss those days. That's where I saw The Killer for the first time on one of those like yep. really hard to get uh, VHS copies at a video store that, you know, you wouldn't find anywhere else. I still remember those yeah. copies that we took, Mark to uh that cabin 
where we watched it in complete darkness because we were in the middle of nowhere and there was no lights around. So it was added effect. I, I haven't forgotten that. And I still think of that those cases because I had those VHS cases for so long. And in fact, re-watched one of those movies and re- remembered, oh, right, this this is the, the version you get now. Uh, like of Deep Red has has both the like English dub scenes and also scenes that they couldn't dub because it was the international cut. So they go back and forth from English and Italian. But the the versions we had and the one I had on VHS forever was just purely the English one. So it yep. still burned into my brain that, that that's the version I'm about to watch. As we make these picks, we could probably talk a little bit about the uh, physical media sets on these things because Argento has truly gotten some amazing releases for his for his films these mm-hmm. days from companies like Arrow and Severin and, and Vinegar Syndrome. So, yeah, Absolutely. exciting stuff. If you find a film on this list that you really, really want to check out, there are great ways to watch them now. Yeah. Dude, you don't have to go sneak to the back corner of a video store and look up on the one shelf that has all the Argento movies and keep your fingers <laughs> crossed that they actually, yeah. this week, that they'll have Bird with a Crystal Plumage and you can actually see it for, you know, and all that. So. And, and when you do get it home, will it be in a decent copy? You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. You hope. <laughs> yeah. Will it be a PAL version or NTSC? Uh-huh. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how fast it's running. All right, well, let's talk about the draft here. The way this game works is very simple. Each player will draft a film until you each have five. Mm. If a film is drafted, the other player cannot draft it. Once the lists are compiled and the podcast is out for people to listen to, users will have a chance to vote on the winner. Do you guys have anything other than pride on the line here? Yeah, I mean, we spend spend quite a bit of time together uh, with each other and with our larger families. So I think how uncomfortable the next holidays are going to be that 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 could be determined by this episode. So there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot riding on this. Yeah. Um, Also, I feel like uh, when we look at some of the we haven't picked some of the uh, movies that we're going to watch in the summer. And I think depending on how this goes, uh, I could be taking some bold swings on on what uh, on what we watch this summer. <laughs> Ooh, okay, oh, yeah, okay, okay. So you're taking you're okay. So you're you're taking August, right? So you're <clears throat> so uh-huh. okay. Uh-huh. So you're you're uh, you're gonna unleash. I get I get it. I have I I'm I'm gonna torch you through May. So okay, I get it. I get it. We'll see. We'll see. That's if your list is picked, Mark. So. This is cart before the horse kind of situation. Mark's very confident right now. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> a big part of this game, a big part of the uh, the strategy comes down to who picks first. And in order to determine who goes first, we're going to play a game called Four Frames. So uh, as you gentlemen are probably aware, when you look up an actor on IMDb, it will show you the four films that IMDb believes that actor is known for. Sometimes Mm. they can be accurate, but most of the time, as we've found on this show, they are not accurate. In a moment, I'm going to give you gentlemen an actor's name, and you will each send me a private message over email with the four films that you think IMDb will display for this person as the films they are most known for. The person who gets the most right will get the first pick. If you both have the same number correct, we'll go back and forth throwing titles out until somebody gets one right. Mm. And the person who gets to toss a title out first in that scenario is whoever sent me their initial four picks first. So speed does count. 
little bit of a preamble here to uh, to give you our actor. Now, you're obviously both very familiar with New World Pictures, a studio founded by Roger Corman. Roger Corman was a very prolific producer who gave many people we consider stars now their big breaks, including directors like Jonathan Demme, Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, Joe Dante, actors like Jack Nicholson, Tommy Lee Jones, Dennis Hopper, like just a ton of people. And he also gave today's subject for Four Frames their first big break. Your actor, gentlemen, is Sandra Bullock. You know, if you really try, Daniel. you can ruin the experience for the entire hey, patient population. I'm having a bad day. I'm having the worst damn day of my whole damn life. So if it is not too much to ask of you people, will you just back the fuck off? Excellent work. Really excellent work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good sharing, everybody. Before she played the naive future cop in Demolition Man and became America's sweetheart in 1994's Speed, Sandra Bullock got steamy in the jungle with Craig Sheffer in the Corman-produced South American environmental adventure flick Fire in the Amazon. Hmm. Huh. Wow. Um, hmm. Hmm. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> A lot of great movies, but who knows what IMDb is going to say. Yeah, uh, hmm. I'm. Uh, there may be one in my list that she's not in. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that that's the that's true. Okay, now Mark, she's in all of these. She's in all of oh, these. Good. Oh, okay. Oh, damn. I, I was, I was hoping. Really embarrassed. I got both players' picks in. First up, we have Ryan. Ryan, you selected Speed, Twenty Eight Days, The Lost City, and. The classic techno thriller, The Net. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed nice. it's The Net. I'm nice. just... Nice. I, Good I call. did not think that would actually be it, but I'm just... Fingers crossed. It. I, th- this is the IMD I hope for, so we'll see. <laughs> Out of your four picks, you have one correct. One correct. Okay. Uh, Mark, you chose Miss Congeniality. <laughs> Speed two. Oh. Speed two. Yeah. Yep. Spirited choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Bird Box, the mm-hmm. Netflix mm-hmm. film, and mm-hmm. The Blind Side. Mm-hmm. You also have one correct. Oof. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Okay. Interesting. Which means we will now go back and forth tossing titles out until somebody gets one. And Ryan, you're going to get the choice to throw the first one out here. <sighs> This this is uh, tough. I'm going to say Ocean's 8. Not on the list, Mark. Miss Congeniality 2. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> it is a movie, but it's not on the list. <laughs> oh, God. Now, now I don't. Now Shit. I'm all right. Now I'm out of Sandra Bullock movies. Um, yeah. uh, now, if, so if we want to go easy mode, you can pull up Wikipedia. You can pull up her Wikipedia page okay. so you have a okay. list of the films she's okay. in. Okay. All oh right. God. Thank, thank hey, you. You for know this. how I play video games. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I want to try to play off of memory, but my memory is shit right now. Um, uh, oh, oh, how about the Heat? Uh, actually, an underrated film, but not on here. Uh, let's see. I'm. Oh, the Lake House, definitely. Not on the list. Shit. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Have you seen the Lake House, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you I've have? heard a lot about it. You have seen this congeniality a whole lot. <laughs> I have that. I have. 
a friend of ours actually is in that. Um, all right. Uh, uh, Gravity. I just got the Blu-ray of this. There Gravity. it is, Ryan. You got Gravity. Oh, yes, man. you got Gravity. Nice. Uh, so Ryan will get the first pick in this draft. This was a very difficult four frames. Uh, so <laughs> the, the way yep. that IMDb has it uh, displayed at number one, they show The Proposal with Ryan Reynolds. Yes, that was the one. I couldn't think yeah. of the title. Yeah. yeah. At number two, Miss Congeniality. At number three, Speed. And at number four, Gravity. That's. I think that's the four. Her top four too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Demolition Man would be on my. A demolition on my top Man. Four Why didn't I say Demolition didn't she Man? Win Academy oh my Award lord! For the Blind Side, though. She did, which is why it's very surprising that it's not on that list. Because normally, when somebody's nominated, they'll they they will include that one. Mm-hmm. But hey, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? All right, let's get into this draft. Ryan, you have the very first pick, so let's waste no time. <laughs> let's waste. Which one are you going with? Waste no time. I'm looking at my little collection of Argento, and I'm going to have to take it. I'm going to have to take it. Suspiria. Wow. Wow. I didn't expect that. I really didn't. I know. I know you were thinking of the other big heavy hitter, but um, but I watched this uh 4k edition of uh, suspiria to rewatch it um i'd had it on other discs i have other discs of it and dvd that dvd special edition that came out a long time ago it looked so good um and i just was taken once again with it like this is such a wildly imaginative film arguably his most imaginative film um i think one thing, re-watching some of these movies, I realized he's better when he's working with his collaborators, one being his dad, being his producer for, for a bunch, and then this one, uh, Dario Nicolodi, like, helps him write this, and I feel like it's better when he's collab- He's better when he's collaborating, but he doesn't a lot because he likes to do everything himself, and he likes to get all the credit, as Dario has pointed out. Um, but this one, uh, you know, about an American girl going off to a dance academy and things getting real weird and her not <laughs> reading signals and saying, I should really get out of here, <laughs> including <laughs> once the murders start to pile up. But just, I think, I think back at when Mark and I first watched these movies, you know, in the middle of nowhere, uh, with our family, you know, late at night. And I just still am, am taken with the opening scene uh, the colors he used trying to get that Snow White, um, you know, Technicolor kind of vibe to this crazy, gory horror film with strange witches. And it's just it's just such a wildly perfect uh, Argento movie. I feel like this is if we get down to it, this is the this is the perfect distillation of what Dario Argento does. Mark, how are you feeling about this going at number one for uh, Ryan's list? I'm a little bit surprised. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, there's really only, I would say, four movies that you would pick at the top. And this one is a, is a, is perfectly suited to be the number one. It is, as Ryan said, one of the most imaginative. It uses an incredible palette of vibrant colors, uh, which, of course, it's, it's well known for. Um, it's a slow burn, too. It takes its time. Um, it's unapologetic about it. But I think that's what makes it work. 
Um, I think, unfortunately, the remake decided to take its time on <laughs> in the wrong way, where you're like, Jesus, is this ever going to pick up and, and turn into anything? I see your two hours, um, and I add a third. <laughs> a third, yeah. exactly. Um, but, you know, this is, it, it's a great... Um, and it's a great entry into uh, Giallo movies if you're not necessarily looking for a murder mystery, but looking for something that's a little bit more fantastical and kind of throwing you into a very strange world. Um, and it's a it's a, a, a must watch by by any standard. Mm. Also, the score. I mean, yeah, it's great Mark story. and I have gone to see Goblin play live. Speaking of collaborators. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the score to this is fantastic. Um, maybe I maybe like a score of another one of his movies slightly more that they did, but uh, but it's a great score. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Though I have, it, I have it on vinyl, and it's a hard one to just throw on and be like, well, let's kick back <laughs> and check this score out. <laughs> everyone kids, starts turning. Feeling this one? All the, kids are, the one? kids are turning to dad like, what's this? What's this one? It's a lot of, there's right. a lot of screaming and breathing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but an excellent score nonetheless. Much like Argento movies, you really got to be in the right mood in the right place to <laughs> yep. to really enjoy true, it. True, true. You can't just throw on an Argento movie just any old time. Yep, Suspiria is it, it's on my five list as well. I uh, I think that this is it's an amazing film. Mark, you mentioned that the the color palette is one that's been studied over and over again. I mean, it's the subject of college classes. Like they they really the color palette in this is amazing. Just the way that color is used. It's also got one of the most um, like brutal, mean spirited kills that I can remember with uh, somebody going through a, a, a window and uh, and being strung up. It's yeah, mm-hmm. just a, mm-hmm. an amazing. Amazing movie, and I figured that this was going to go number one on on somebody's list. It was going to, yeah. Um, so, somebody was. If it, if Mark had just thought of one other Sandra Bullock movie, we, we would have. <laughs> it certainly would be gone, and I'd be picking something else. Well, Mark, uh, what do you have at your number one? Suspiria is off the board. Well, I will say that I think Suspiria is a great pick, but I would not have picked Suspiria. I would have mm-hmm. picked my number one pick, which is Deep Red. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deep Red is the first Argento movie I ever watched. Um, I, it is, yeah, I, I, and I, I love it. The it Blu-ray. has such a, <laughs> such a strange beginning with, uh, you know, a, a, once again, a bizarre score, not one that you can really throw on and just kick back and chill to. Uh, but you know, it starts with, uh, shoes and some, thigh high socks and then a knife being dropped and you're like what uh then kicks into the score and then you of course you have this incredible murder sequence and the movie being about a jazz pianist pianist who witnesses this murder and then partners with a journalist who's played by daria nicolotti and in like one of i think my favorite roles of hers in any of the argento movies you know she's really strong and wisecracking and there's some really great funny scenes where they're driving together and she's you know put him in this small seat and he's looking very diminutive and it's it's just a really fun play on the the sexes and how they're trying to solve this murder mystery there's also some really incredible gore in this movie um yeah. it really kind of ups the ante from a gore perspective it's also a little bit more of a traditional giallo movie but for me 
coming uninitiated really to Giallo movies, then starting with this one, it was like I got all the pieces in one nice box. It was like the perfect combo meal of everything that, uh, that I wanted at the time. Of I wanted some really gory sequences, got it. I wanted some kind of mystery as to who's who done it. I get you got it. It is. I will give it a little bit of not necessarily a knock. I will say it's a little long. It, 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 and my wife, when I when I first showed it to her, she was quick to point that out, and I, I recognize it. It gets it, it does. It goes. It takes its time, but it could be cut down a little bit. That being said, it's totally worth the time, and it's definitely my favorite uh, Dario Argento movie. So that's my number one. Yeah, this is what I I figured it was going to be. This and Suspiria going uh, number one for each of you. So uh, no, not a surprise there. Ryan, are you? Uh, I'm sure you're not surprised. This is number one on Mark's list. No, not uh, no. I'm not surprised at all. And and of course, yeah, we both have deep affection for this movie. And I agree. Like rewatching it for this, I was like, yeah, that's right. Like the Italian scenes. Most of the cuts you get these days are, ha- include the Italian and the English. So there, some of those extra Italian scenes are great. And some of them you're like, well, you didn't totally need this one. But yeah, so yeah, it, it could it could be a touch long. And sometimes you're just like really watching and just listening to Goblin. <laughs> just being like, <laughs> sweet track. Look at him walk around this house, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but but I also kind of love that. So and I love all the stuff in the house and the secret room. There's just there's so much cool stuff in it. And it's one of those. You know, giallos have, and in particular Argento, the giallos will have like different ways of going about the ending and the reveal of the ending. And it's either like a small piece of uh, evidence that the person can't quite remember or is trying to remember or doesn't feel right about, or we just simply skip to just a big monologue. And so this one has that great little moment that if on rewatch you go back and you see it and you're like oh there it is but you missed it the first time too same <clears throat> excuse me same as uh as as good old um david hemmings so it's just an awesome film and uh, i love deep red and it it's yeah it's it's an excellent movie good pick this is one that I have not seen in a very long time. I bought the uh, Arrow. Arrow put out a great 4K version that uh, I'm sure you have, Ryan. Mm. That uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I have because I have the DVD. I have the Blu-ray. I mean, I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll get to the 4K. I'll get to it for sure. <laughs> for sure. There are two things that I'll never forget about this one. Uh, number one is the dummy yep. running towards uh, <laughs> towards the digital library, and number two is the elevator decapitation. Yep. Yep. And just an amazing scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Watch out for those well necklaces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And those, Some oh, are made yeah. stronger than others. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Great scene. Okay, Suspiria and Deep Red off the board as predicted, but now this is where my list just, I have no idea what's coming next. Yep. So, yep. Ryan, what do you got at pick number two? Well, um, definitely going to not be this, so don't worry. It's <laughs> not this. Definitely not. Um, this is one that actually uh, I know Mark really loved, and I saw this first with Mark, and I was not as into it, but that's because the American cut is not as good. And leaves a lot to be desired. But uh, my second pick is going to be Tenebrae. Uh, Mark's, uh, Mark looks pissed about this one. I almost made that my number one. 
<laughs> that's how much I love Tenebrae. I know Mark but, loves Tenebrae, and this this again from Synapse. This this 4K edition is just unbelievable. It's so good. But this is a a story about good old Peter Neal. He's a was a writer, just a really good dude. Um, no, just a really nice person. Nothing to see here. Great guy. And uh, there's murders going on, and he's on a book tour. Uh, we get like a lot of Italian movies. You get John Saxon in there wearing a cool hat. Um, we get some, <laughs> we get we get some great um, Art Deco. The one apartment that they go to is just amazing. Again, some incredible kills, and I think a nice twist that that Argento sometimes succeeds, sometimes doesn't. But he has a great twist in this one. I'm not going to reveal it, though. Probably most people know it already. But and I just think that. Uh, when I first saw it, the Unsane cut uh, really just was, I mean, cut a lot of gore out. It, you know, was much shorter. But the full version of this is is really good. Um, Daria Nicolodi has a, uh, she's a pretty lame part, but, you know, she's in there too, which is still fun. Um, and it's just, I, I, it's just an excellent, you know, it's just another excellent giallo from him. And I think at this point he was in an incredible groove at this point by the time he gets to Tenebrae. And, uh, yeah, one I wasn't so sold on at first, but now I think is just an absolute classic. I think I actually got the Blu-ray of it a couple years ago and watched it one night when my wife and kids were actually out of the house. And I was just like, I was just like, I fell in love with it all over again. And I was just like, I adore this one. So I could not wait when, as soon as Synapse released this, I picked it right up because this quickly has jumped up, uh, to one of my favorite Argentos. So Tenebrae. All right, Tenebrae. Uh, this feels like both a a strategic pick against Mark and uh, and a play to those people who really love this film. I saw this for the first time last year, and I really liked it too. It's a really subtle mystery, which mm-hmm. I think is is nice. But it does, obviously, it has those uh, you know extremely gory moments that you know of in Argento films. Also, a great another great score and in a great sequence when a where a girl just gets chased by a dog. Like it's got stuff yeah. like that where you're like, this is great. Like who who's... played by Laura Wendell of Zombie Five Killing Birds fame? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I love Killing Birds. Uh, yeah. All right, Mark, you were visibly upset when uh, when Ryan picked this one. I'm sure this was probably number two on your list. Yeah, and I knew that if I picked Deep Red, he was gonna he was gonna pick number two. Would be Tenebrae, and uh, I love Tenebrae. It's I think this is where. Dario Argento also was willing to throw off the shackles and just make it super gory. Um, yeah. I mean, not that he was holding back on the gore with Deep Red and with uh, Suspiria, but he really unleashed it with this one. It Like you, like Ryan said, there's just a random killing of a woman being chased by a dog. Uh, there is, there's a great scene where they did a camera crane shot over a house. As oh, yes. Shot. Yes. Yes. And it makes... No sense no why sense. you would take no. the, the viewers on this journey as we go over a whole entire house. To the roof. So that we could start with one window on one side of the house, over the roof, to the window on the other side of the house. But in my teen years, I loved that shot. Oh, it's a great Just shot. thinking about logistically how difficult it would be to do during that time. You know, we don't have didn't have drones and didn't have... Uh, computer editing or shooting on on digital so it just a really strategically difficult shot to do albeit it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but that's also where argento was starting to get into his groove of it does it have to make sense nah that's i'm just gonna go with it 
Um, and I, I, this is the ending of it is amazing. Uh, I, yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough of, of Tenebrae. So good pick, Ryan. Thank Thank you, Mark. Well, he's kind of throwing your uh, throwing your intentions for a loop. So, uh, what are you going to replace that with here at your number two, Mark? Well, that's a it's it's honestly a little bit tough because there's a couple that I would slot in here, um, but I think ultimately, uh, phenomena. The wind, yes. The phone, very particular wind, typical of this part of the country. It comes from the Alps. The blasts of warm air cause snow avalanches. While it blows, there are those who say it causes madness. Wow. Number two. Uh, It's it's, (laughs) phenomenal. Has a couple great things going for it. (laughs) One, uh, there's a fantastic murder right out of the gates, which is, I think, Dario Gento's oldest daughter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was, and, and, and she didn't want to be an actress, so this is one of the few things that she did. It's a great sequence. But you he's like, you're my daughter. Coming. I have to kill you. <laughs> right. I have to exploit <laughs> right. you it's in some that, way. Or I have to have you take <laughs> off your clothes at, at an, when you're still underage. So you Jeez. pick which one you want to do. <laughs> um, so you have Jeez. Jennifer Conley going to a boarding school. Um, and so finding out that she can speak with insects, question mark? Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. You have Donald Pleasance, who has a, a pet monkey. Uh, there's And a questionable a Scottish lot. accent. <laughs> Very questionable. <laughs> Does he have a Scottish accent? It goes in and out, It and it's mostly out. <laughs> mostly, very true. But... I it's for all of that. The first time I saw this, of course, I saw the Creepers version, version which yeah. is what it came out in the U.S. as. Um, and it was I remember the box was actually more focused on the heavy metal soundtrack than the movie itself. Um, and I thought th- I, at the time when I first watched it, I thought this is where I think Dario Gento might be falling down. But upon further rewatches, and I have uh, the Blu-ray of it, and it was the first Dario Gento movie that I showed my daughter. And she absolutely loved it. And I think because it speaks to Jennifer Conley's characters, you know, a teen and in a foreign country and trying to feed not there's murders going on around her and she's terrified, but at the same time determined d- d- discovers that she has this superpower. Um, there's just a lot of, again, fantastical things happening in this. It's almost a little bit of a shift back to Suspiria in that way, that it's, it is a setup, it is a traditional murder mystery, but with f- fantastical things happening around it. Um, and I think it, it really works. Um, so yeah, my number two is Phenomena. All right. Ryan, you seem kind of surprised by this pick. I was, but you know, when I think of it and I just like finished rewatching that this morning, um, I was like, well, yeah, of course, Mark would pick the one Dario Gento movie that has sex gain children in the soundtrack. So that would make sense. <laughs> you know, famed goth band. Wrong. You are not uh, wrong. Yeah, so, you know, I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, this makes sense. Uh, yeah, this is a, this certainly is a fun one. Uh, Jennifer Connelly lost part of her finger getting bit off by the the chimpanzee who just Mm -hmm. hated her so much. Um, why there's a chimpanzee in there. This, this is another wild one. Uh, but that, you know, the ending and her falling into that pool just never, just never ceases to be totally disgusting. 
Um, it's it's a wild one. Uh, he, you know, kills his daughter in the beginning. You know, um, he, he, there's you a know, lot to love. So the lot... There's a lot to love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't. You gotta love Donald Pleasance. I still can't understand why he gets in that wheelchair and starts going down the stairs, but can't see the person who's merely five <laughs> feet away, who keeps fidgeting with the buttons and doesn't understand there's somebody right in front of you that's messing with the buttons. You just can't. It's I don't just, know. It's but, just like when they're trailing cars in uh, Angel 3. You only have to be three feet behind the car and they can't see you anymore. <laughs> Yo, all of a sudden, they don't see this this old-timey ice cream truck following them. <laughs> <laughs> they're terrible at finding any car ch- chasing them but yeah but it's still such a it's such a fun movie so uh it was going to show up on my list at some point um, I, I think i'm more shocked that it's number two is 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 what i'm surprised by i think i, I it probably resonated with me a little bit i'll just cap off and i've already said this so you can cut this out but the fact that my daughter loved it so much mm. like yeah. it it probably charmed me a little bit more because of that sure I mean, plus it has a vengeance monkey running around with a razor. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't get much better than that. It sure does. Right, and you don't have to sit through the bore that is monkey shines to get the kind of equivalent scene. Yeah, exactly. It's way better than monkey shines. It is better than monkey shines. Even the creepers cut is better than monkey shines. I think everyone escaped from monkey shines with all their digits, though. (laughs) (laughs) Intact. Like in real life. (laughs) Like in real life. So, yeah, I think more successful... chimpanzee relations and that but in that that one might have been monkeys but anyway monkey shines definitely had the better vhs cover but um yeah i I really love this movie too that end shot is really really amazing Mm -hmm. and uh like like you said uh mark the first time i saw this was also the creepers cut and i think it was like 83 minutes long and i didn't see the the full like close to two hour version until much much later i mean it was probably mid 2000s is when I saw that cut and yeah it definitely blew me away I you know I have no qualms at this going number two on on anybody's list I think this is a a great representation of Dario Argento and it's got an absolutely star-studded cast too with Connolly and Pleasance so I'm glad this this did make the draft in one way or the other all right uh, Ryan you've got Suspiria and Tenebrae on the board pick number three for you well, uh, since I started with Suspiria at number one, I might as well go for the second part of the Mother's Trilogy with Inferno. Uh, uh, the one I did not get to rewatch before this, but I knew I had to have on my list. Uh, I've always been obsessed with this one. I, I, there's so much that goes wrong with this movie, and I love it regardless. We don't settle on a protagonist till at least midway through. <laughs> <laughs> like Lee McCloskey's just there, but he's not. We don't know why he's around, and then we're like, "Oh no, he's the guy." I guess. Okay, well, he's our main guy, I guess. Um, and I just, I the, the the from the opening shots of this one when she goes and finds an underground, underwater room, and she swims around in a ballroom submerged in water. It just this one is like uh, Dario, you know got a better weed hookup and decided to just really let his imagination run wild. And it's, you know, I don't know about in terms of how well successful it is as a trilogy. 
I was sort of reading through the synopsis, <laughs> the plot synopsis, just to just to kick kickstart my memory, and I'm like, they really give you all the details of the mothers, and I'm sure those details are there to a degree, but I'm like, I'm not sure you walk away from this movie going, oh yeah, I see Suspiria, this, this makes sense. He does make them back to back, but it still feels like this one is such a weird one, and I get it, like. This is not everyone's favorite, I think, Inferno. It's just such an odd one. But I just absolutely love the wild swings this one takes. And it just, it's always, it's, it's been one of my favorites since I first watched it. It's just, it's just such a wild film. So I had to pick it. And I, I'm sure this is no surprise to Mark. Not a surprise at all. Not a surprise at all. It's a great movie. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And it has <laughs> nope. always been, Ryan and I, have, it's always been a curiosity for us yep. because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Even the fact that it's a sequel doesn't make any, like they don't really do much to no, tie no. that in. Uh, that underwater sequence is great. I think he had Mario Bava help mm-hmm. with that underwater mm-hmm. sequence, which is you know awesome to to have him come in and help. And it's really one of the my favorite parts of the whole movie. It's just so beautifully shot. Yeah, it's just so beautifully awesome. done. And also doesn't make really any sense. Makes why no it sense. Why? At all. <laughs> what is it? What is that whole yeah. thing? I don't know. And most of the whole movie. I'm, I'm as lost as Lee McCloskey in that whole film. <laughs> and and I don't mean to, to, to spoiler on this one. And it's not really a spoiler, but uh, they also, if you're thinking they're going to go back to that room and figure out what it's all about. Mm. No, nope. <laughs> no need. Uh, uh, but it's and it's beautifully shot. It brings back more of the color palette of Suspiria. In, in a, I mean, I it's a great movie. So it was I was debating on that and Phenomena, to be honest. So uh, I I think that's a great pick. This is the only one I have a poster for, and the reason I have a poster for this one is because Mark got me the poster of that underwater scene when he nice. visited. Uh, Profundo Rosso in Rome. Yeah, wow, okay. Argento had opened up a, a horror movie store called Profundo Rosso, uh, which I, I think it's a Luigi Tenebrae. Luigi Cosi as well, who uh, was an Italian director and did Scar- Star Crash for New World Pictures, and uh, he like runs the shop because he's a big time collector. So you may have even seen. I don't him. think Argento's involved with it anymore. I think like they he sold off his portion of it, um, but it's a fascinating store to go through. It has tons of. Uh, obviously Argento collectibles, but there's all types of giallo and Italian horror collectibles in there. It's, it's yes. I mean, that was 100% on my list of places to see in Rome when I went there. Uh, that may not be everyone's list on everyone's list, but it was on mine. So I was happy to go. Sorry, kids. No Vatican today. We've got to go. Okay. <laughs> We got one place to go, and that is Profondo Rosso. A little sliver of Jennifer Connelly's finger just in a glass case. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening to this show, surely that place would be intriguing to you. Of course. Sure. Yeah, you bet. I hope so. Uh, This is a film I haven't seen out of Argento's filmography, so I I need to put this to the top of my list of things I need to see. Okay. Yeah, you do. It's a good one. All right, uh, Mark, one more pick, and then we're going to talk about New World Pictures podcast here in a second. Uh, what do you have at number three? Um, number three, I'm going with opera. And here's why. A lot of people shit on it, and I understand why. <laughs> well, I, I don't, I don't want to start off by apologizing. I'm not necessarily apologizing, but the ending, the last scene of it is kind of lame, and everyone kind of points to that as, as sort of that last sequence is a letdown. But I kind of – I look at this one as 
it's the last great Argento movie before stylistically he really shifted into a different style, working with a different team. The movies kind of took on a different feel. This was the last of, and though he's come back to it occasionally, this was like the last of the big sweeping camera movement all the time. You have that awesome sequence uh, in uh, the apartment at the very end where she's uh, having to go through the air conditioning vents and everything that's just like so well done, so well shot. Um, especially the, well, I won't give away. There's a great sequence between the door and the inside of the apartment in that, in that scene. That's super well done. Um, you have a killer who is taping needles to people's eyelids so that they can't close their eyes. When I was in, I guess I was in my early twenties when this came out, I thought that is a fucked up thing to do. (laughs) And you know what? It is. Um, (laughs) And still is. It in still is. It still is. It still is. Still not cool. Um, this is if you're going to see one movie from Dario Gento that takes place in an opera, and there are a few of them. I, this is the one to watch. <laughs> yeah. So you want to watch his um, version, his riff on a Phantom of the Opera. This is the one to this see. This is the one to watch. Not sure. the Phantom of the Opera that he directed. No. <laughs> no. Um, <clears throat> and I, I thoroughly. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy uh, opera. Um, and as much as, uh, you know, even Phenomena and even Inferno, I think it it has its place in his top five best movies. So, um, yeah, that's my pick. All right, Ryan, you, you were giving a thumbs up to this pick. Is it because you like the movie or is it because you think Mark made a mistake with this one? No, it's not that he made a mistake. It's that I figured he would pick opera and it was one I did not get to rewatch. I haven't rewatched this one in forever. And it's one I, I am of that camp. I don't, maybe if I rewatch it, but I don't, I'm not loved this one. Uh, I certainly have respect for a lot of the gore sequences of it, but uh, it's never, it's kind of left me a little cold. I wasn't as into this one. So I didn't get to rewatch it, but I figured this is probably going to, Mark's going to grab this one and I, it's not one that I have loved, but I know it's one that he loves. So uh, this was great because he picked one that I thought he might and it leaves something open for me. So I, it's a great pick for Mark and, and it's certainly much better than the Phantom of the Opera that he did later, which is just, I mean, he makes choices. He makes choices. <laughs> that he does. This is one that I haven't seen for a long time either. I, mem- I remember uh, really thinking the voyeurism idea was intriguing. And of course, the the needles taped to the eyes. Uh, it's an iconic look. It's an iconic scene. Uh, but I remember the ending really not working for me. I'm, I'm definitely in that camp that uh, I didn't love it. But this is one that I'd be open to rewatching. I'm sure yeah. that now I'd have yeah. a different perspective on it. And I think in general, people have changed their perspective of it because, you know, we, we can say it. We, we we loved Argento, but the latter part of his career hasn't always seen the same kinds of success. So then I think that left opera to, instead of feeling like a moment when he was slipping, instead felt like, oh, no, no, this is still one of his last great films. And I yeah. think that yeah, when I saw it way, way back in the day, that was my opinion. This is what I saw, thought, oh, he's starting to slip a little bit. But then after watching so many la- latter days Argento movies, I watched this maybe six or seven months ago. And really just on a whim thinking, I, you know, I haven't watched this in a long time. I have a good copy of it. 
uh, I'm going to give this one a chance. And it just felt like, oh, this is the comfy couch that I've been missing. And it is, it, you know what? I was, I was kind of shitting on this couch, but it's actually cut quite comfortable. <laughs> uh, <the laughs> ending is Don't shit on that little... couch. You sit on it. <laughs> well, that's part of the problem. Um, I have a it's a focal point of the room. Center, so. Go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, get, I get confused, Ryan. Deep brown. <laughs> All right, well. We've got three picks on the board. Let's talk New World Pictures podcast for a minute. Mm. Uh, for those who didn't listen to episode 97 for some reason, what are you doing? Go back and listen to me and Ryan talking top five Charles Bronson films. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you gentlemen tell us about the New World Pictures podcast, and then we'll talk about some of the cool stuff that you got coming up. Well, they should also go back and listen to uh, our episode on Sister Sister, where we yes. brought you on uh, one of your favorite <laughs> films. Uh Hey, Jennifer Jason Lee, let's go. <laughs> Not my favorite Jennifer of her Jason movies, but Lee, it was a great discussion. The Bayou. I mean, there's so much there's so much to love in that movie. So much to love. Eric Stoltz. <laughs> Eric Stoltz giving a commanding performance. <laughs> I mean, vo- you good voyeurism in that movie. There's ghosts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that movie also that that I, I, it, I'm not afraid. Lot, it goes a lot of places. I, I'm not afraid. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the podcast, though. Uh, yeah. New World Pictures podcast. So as the name implies, we were talking about all the movies released by New World Pictures um, from the early Corman days to when he sold the company uh, and even beyond in the 90s. Uh, where we were discussing off mic some of the stuff that we'll have coming up does stem from New World Television, which is where they sort of continued in the in the '90s uh, before they did fall apart. So, um, so we're talking we're talking about all those movies, and uh, we're also interviewing some of the people that uh, made those movies, which we've had uh, a lot of success over the past couple of years, like getting people on onto the the show and talking to them about. You know, directors, writers, actors. We're talking to the people that that have made these movies. Um, you get some really good interviews on there. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm kicking myself that we had Daniel Waters on, and of course I I didn't bring up Demolition Man for the Sandra Bullock <laughs> movies. Um, he would uh, he, he I if he listens to this he'll be upset. And uh, <clears throat> but uh, we had Daniel Waters on. We had we you know. He was too. He was too consumed with my opinion of Batman Returns. <laughs> that's, that's right. He's very upset about that. We'll be in April when this is coming out. We'll be doing uh, Vampril is our theme month. We'll be talking about the movie Vamp, which was released by New World Pictures, and we'll have another uh, interview. We've done a couple of interviews with uh, the producer Donald Borchers, who produced Angel and Children of the Corn, and so yeah, um, we just did uh, a month on. Feb Sest, and we talked about Torment. We brought in a bunch of guys from Torment uh, and did a reunion. Uh, a lot of a lot of people that work on New World, just regardless of era, it, it's some of their early days as filmmakers. So it's been fascinating to have them on the show and talk about how they started out. And they seem very happy to do it because it's they get to go back and and think about those early times when they were just starting out and. Uh, Corman did uh, definitely took advantage of a lot of people <laughs> that yeah. just wanted opportunities, <laughs> and uh, that continued in the second era as well. Take advantage, gave opportunities. 
I mean, how do you want to look at it? <laughs> I mean, huh? they're both. He did both. He gave them opportunities, he and he took advantage of them at the same time. You know? I mean, you know. He was one of the original, uh, you'll get exposure from this. Right. I'll pay you an exposure right. That's right. kind of artist. That's right. You also have a spinoff show called Almost New World, which you just covered one of my favorite discoveries of like two years ago, Terminal Island. Yes. Yeah, that was part of our, <laughs> our Nearly New World series. And we we're doing um, women in prison movies for this past month and prison mm-hmm. march. And um, we just released uh, an episode on Reform School Girls uh, this week. And next week, we'll be releasing our interview with uh, t- our writer-director, Tom DeSimone, um, who, who oh, made, awesome. made Reform School Girls. And that, he is such a great guy. So that really, highly recommend checking that out. Here's the thing. <laughs> we didn't think... <laughs> First, a couple things. <laughs> We didn't think that we'd be doing this, like, going into our fourth year. Mm -hmm. Not because we uh, didn't think that we could go four years. It was more like, this started out as a bit of a a lark. Like, let's just talk about these New World Pictures movies. We also started out doing every two weeks. Now we do every week. Uh, Unlike, uh, you know, a a lot of other podcasts, we don't really have seasons. So we just keep on keeping on. (laughs) uh, Much to our own detriment. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. We also didn't really realize how many movies New World Pictures made. And in retrospect, uh, we may have not started this, but now we know that we have to will this podcast <laughs> to our children. Because mm-hmm. yeah. we will not yeah. outlive the number yeah. of movies. We will not live long enough to talk about every movie. It's looking, it gets daunting. There's no doubt. Because as I said, Vampirl is coming up in April. We talk about Vamp. A lot of people know Vamp. Do you know the film Teen Vamp that New World released in the late 80s? I do. I do. We do, because we watched it and talked (laughs) about it, and we'll talk about it next month. But it is a movie that not a lot of people are going to know. Not a lot of people know it, but they're just... It's like I I have a couple, like... uh, you know, email things will come up and they'll just, you know, that just are for New World Pictures stuff or New World Video. And just I keep finding movies all the time that I never knew they put out. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is this is endless. <laughs> but, you know, we're having a great time. So that's fine. And I think what Mark's trying to say is that this started out as a as a job and it's become a career. <laughs> that's a better way to phrase it. That, well, that's a better way to phrase it. But I, I think if I would add one more thing. I, 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 we we definitely come to these movies and meet them where they're at. There's a there's a the New World Pictures made a lot of a lot of movies that are tough to get through. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. To well, be honest, I mean, to be I mean to be, to honest, be honest, yeah, sure. Uh, to be honest, and uh, like spoiler, Teen Vamp is a tough one to get through. But it's fun. But, it's we had but fun. It's fun in its own way, and you have to look at the time in which it was made sort of the the way movies were made at that time and what a young, uh, low budget, you know, long, young filmmakers, low budget, trying to make, trying to, to break through. And this is their chance. So they're doing everything they can to make the best of their situation. When you come at it from that perspective, you really find a lot of charm in these movies and you, you really appreciate what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and... Every one that we that we've watched, we may we'll point out the things that are real head scratchers, but we do it from a place of really loving 
these movies and having the opportunity to talk about them. And yeah, you can tell that with your, you know, all, all three of you have fun talking about these movies regardless of whether you liked the experience of watching the movie or not. And you are able to pull out those good things in an otherwise terrible experience. Yeah, I mean, even when they... We, 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 I always go back to something Alan Holzman told us. He directed Forbidden World uh, and, um, and other movies as well and, and edited movies for New World. But he, he was like, you know, when he made Forbidden World, he's like every, you know, there's a creature trying to attack and kill all these people and they're still hooking up and trying to have sex with one another. So it's like if you can't laugh and enjoy yourself along the way, then maybe you have the wrong attitude <laughs> with about these movies. So I think we try to always approach it with that sort of sense. Like, you know, we're, we're having a good time with them. And so, and, and team vamp could be part of, uh, I don't know, vinegar syndrome, part of your homegrown horrors from Louisiana. I don't know. Could be, could, could end up in a box set in your mailbox soon. You never know, Jason, look out. On my shelf right next to Sister Sister, the Bayou Classics. <laughs> I'm just hoping that you invite me back when you eventually cover Firecracker, because that oh, is a... Uh, oh, yes. Yes, oh, yeah. Alan Holzman did sure. two of the most pivotal scenes in that movie. He came in and did uh, Second Unit, and uh, particularly the knife scene. That was his. So we spoke to him about that scene. So Firecracker's a great one. I'm excited to get to that one, too. Indeed. All right. Well, let's get to the back half of this draft. Uh, every link, by the way, for New World Pictures will be in the show notes. So go check that out, please. Great show. Um, okay, Ryan, right now, as it stands, you've got Suspiria, Tenebrae, and Inferno. Mark, you have Deep Red, Phenomena, and Opera. This is where I think this list is going to get real interesting, particularly at number four, because there are still a couple of like Argento heavy hitters. And then at number five, it's going to be interesting to see what what lands at the bottom of each of these lists. But uh, Ryan, go ahead and give us your number four pick here. I'm going to go with one of his more Giallo-based films. And I'm going to go Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Wow, okay. Wow, wow. This is, in in his early days, Argento was really trying to do some pretty general giallo, and I think this is just because I finally got to see this one. I'm 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 holding the Severin disc for it. Uh, this was a very hard one to find. Yeah, I was really coveted when they. I remember the announcement when they made that announcement. A lot of people were very excited. Yeah, and so going back to our early story about Lay Video, one this was one that was never there. So it was always like, we should see that one. What if the title's weird, but we should see it. They didn't have that one. It's, these early ones, the, the, the Animal Trilogy, were often ones that weren't there. So we would kind of keep pushing it off because it either wasn't there or it was there. We finally had another one that we wanted to see. So it just took forever to finally see it. And uh, this is a, a, it's about a drummer named Roberto. And uh, he gets followed and he accidentally kills someone. And because that person pulls a knife and they scuffle, they're in a theater. This person in a creepy mask takes pictures of the whole thing happening and starts to like, then he's starting to go, oh God, I'm going to be exposed. People are going to find out what's going on. And we go through that and other people start to die. Um, And uh, it's, you know, there's another one uh, of his early Giallo that I was thinking of picking here too. But I just feel like this one, again, has great camera work. Some great music in there. It's really 
a kind of a fun exploration of just a guy who's in a band and he's an American living in, I think they are in Italy. And so he's just a drummer in a band. He's constantly doing sessions, but he's got his wife. He's dealing with that. Uh, and then this girl he hooks up with. So he's dealing with that. So it's kind of this interesting exploration of like a drummer and his band trying to record an album in Italy. On top of that, there's murders going on. So I just thought, you know, and this is definitely before he made Deep Red and before, you know, all the Animal Trilogy stuff is is a little bit more where he's really kind of stealing much more from Hitchcock and Bava too. Um, and he's trying to make much more of like a more deliberate uh, uh, mystery film. And I just thought, you know, really enjoyed the performances. Um, uh, Missy Mimsy Farmer is pretty good in this. Michael Brandon actually plays the lead character. He's actually pretty good in this. So I think it's this one's probably a little fresh. You catch me in another day. Maybe I might say uh, the other film I, I, I might pick in this spot, but Right now, I'm going with Four Flies and Grey Velvet. I think it's a really good one. It's underseen and, and, and definitely worth watching. All right. The first of the Animal Trilogy to grace our list here. Mark, uh, thoughts on Four Flies on Grey Velvet? I really look forward to watching it one day. <laughs> you haven't seen it? Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I haven't seen this one. So, yeah, there are only a couple movies that Argento has directed that I haven't seen. And unfortunately, this is one of them. And I always meant to see it. I'm glad that you're putting it on this list because it's going to really uh, uh, add to the urgency for me to watch it. But uh, unfortunately, no, I haven't seen this one. So Yeah, I'm trying not to say too much about it because I'm, I, I, I would assume this is one that maybe a lot of people haven't seen and maybe you guys haven't seen. So I'm trying to dance around all the stuff but it's it's certainly you know you got to think of it in that term like it's in it's it's in that early giallo period and this is much more of a strict giallo movie like he started out with in the 70s so it's definitely not the wild swings he starts taking in the mid to late 70s and into the 80s but but really good and effective and you know uh yeah so definitely worth checking out and uh now my number four all right Great package from Severin on that one. If you're interested in checking that out, they put that out last year. So, yeah. All right. Go go grab that. There's still one film on my list of top five that has not been played yet. Maybe Ooh. Mark will play it here at number four. What do you got? Bird with the Crystal Plumage. That's the one. Uh, start at the very beginning. Uh, it's, like Ryan said, it is, it is trying to be a little more Hitchcockian. It's trying to be a little more Baba-esque. It's not, it's definitely not Deep Red. It's definitely not Tenebrae, but you can see a lot of those elements. It's beautifully shot. It doesn't have quite the sweeping cinematography. Right. It has incredible set pieces that are really beautiful. Um, uh, of course, you have this, this expatriate in Rome who witnesses an attempted murder, and now he's being him and his girlfriend are being chased down. It's the you know hand in black glove. And that's all you're seeing. So sort of starting that traditional giallo, the black gloves. Uh, is it a man? Is it a woman? You can't tell because of the gloves. The The knife plays such a pivotal role in all of these scenes. I think it's, it's incredibly effective. I watched this movie after seeing a lot of Argento movies. Mm-hmm. And I kind of mm-hmm. came to it with that. This is the early stuff. It's 1970. It's not going to have the things I really love Argento for, but it does. It's it's a tamer version. Yeah. But it has all the same suspense, 
you're wondering who it is. It has great set pieces that are set up. There's some good chase sequences. It has all those pieces. Um, and it really, uh, you can look at it and say, this really set a foundation that he built upon. I mean, and how incredible for him for his first full feature that he directs to start with something this strong. And, at, and, and even for its time, really groundbreaking. So, I mean, it's, uh, it, it potentially could have been higher up on my list, admittedly, but, um, definitely not number five. Uh, it's, uh, this is, this is a great one to watch. Yeah, I agree. This is a, a great starting point for him as a director. I'm surprised that it took this long to, to pop up on one of your lists. It's really good. And it's really, really good mystery. I think that the thing about this one between choosing between four flies and this is like, I like the mystery aspect of this one, even a little bit more than four flies. Vittorio Storaro, who's the DP, is such a good DP. Um, he moves on and he wins three Academy Awards. He does Apocalypse Now, The Last Emperor, Reds. Uh, he he and and the shots, the initial shots of him seeing the 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 attack in the um yep in the art gallery are just is just terrific. But I I I think Storaro shoots an even better Giallo in the Fifth Chord. And uh, which is not Argento, so I think he's set loose and does some better work there, and obviously then crosses over into American uh, films and does some incredible work there. So yeah, it it was a it was a lot for me. I knew that if I if I picked Four Flies, that Bird with the Crystal Plumage was going to end up here, and it was what I was going to pick at first. But I, I, you know, I think just because Four Flies is so fresh, but I rewatched. Um, bird with the crystal plumage and i think the only thing is that it is has some moments where it's a touch slow and there's a little so there's a little bit of that as he's sort of becoming but this is also argento's first movie um but as he's starting to kind of like become this detective or faux detective i think that some of those things that he i think gets a lot better in deep red but um like the mystery love the way this shot it's so beautiful to look at um the arrow disc of this is oh, again another thing that's worth picking up it's it's a great one and uh yeah it's a great pick great pick mark bird with the crystal plumage i i'm looking at both of these lists right now and i have no i have no idea how the voting is going to go on this i think these are really <laughs> the, really i think lists. i think i think we're gonna know once we pick these and i'm <laughs> I'm really nervous because I'm not, I may I may go with a wild one here, so I I'm not sure. All right, all right, Ryan, number your number five, your final pick, and why is it Dracula 3D? <laughs> <laughs> it's not Dracula 3D. Um. Okay, okay. Um. Probably also because it's fresh in my mind. I'm going to go towards the end of the oeuvre. And I'm gonna pick Dark Glasses for my number five pick. Wow! Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And I'll say that part of it is that I was on another podcast where we did our top, uh, our personal top tens of 2022, and this was in my personal top ten. Really? Mainly because Dario Argento. And here's the thing: the reason being, Dario Argento made another movie. I did not think that was gonna happen. I thought that the last taste left on our palates. When it came to his filmography, was going to be Dracula 3D. Yeah, ten years earlier. 
And I do think, and I want to give him credit where it's due, Dark Glasses is a movie that is a return to form. That said, that form is early 2000s sleepless, the card player (laughs) form. But still, and I, you know, we'll, we'll talk about other movies I could have put in this slot, but... He, I think it's a return to form and it's got just, it's got, it focuses more on the mystery. It deals with things that he loves. First of all, it follows a prostitute. She goes blind. These are two things that he loves. He loves people being blind in his movies. He <laughs> loves uh, dealing with prostitutes. He has his daughter in the movie and she miraculously doesn't take her clothes off. She actually plays the Daria Nicolodi role uh, in this one. And uh, yet at the end, he has a very strange sequence that didn't need to be there. So you're like, you still got it, Dario. <laughs> and there's a crash I know sequence. Which sequence you're talking about. <laughs> oh, okay, good, good. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to spoil it because, again, I don't know how many people have seen it. Um, there's a good <laughs> car crash in it. Uh, and it's about basically uh, once the prostitute loses her, her her eyesight, then it's about her friendship with this little boy. And then, of course, the killer that's chasing them. And, you know, it's brisk. It's only about 80 some odd minutes. So it's a nice length. And I just was like, wow, OK, this is the one we're going to think of uh, about the end of his career. And I want to celebrate it because this is a way to go out. Like, <laughs> I'd love it if you made another one. Don't get me wrong. But it took 10 years to make this. So if this is the way we go out, I'm like, and you look at the late 90s through till now, I'm like, this is a pretty darn good representative of his work. And we've talked a lot about his early days. We've talked a lot about, I think, his heyday. And so let's talk, let's represent the end of his career or the the last 20 odd years of his career, which um, hasn't always been a lot of hits. So, yeah, so uh, I'm going to give him some love and and throw dark glasses on the list. OK, wow. This is this wow. is one I didn't expect. Honestly, I didn't expect anything post 1987 to, to make its way on this <laughs> list. Mark, it seems like you were a little surprised, too. I, I'm surprised. I don't disagree with anything that Ryan said. Um, I, I same I, if this is the way he's going to go out. It's a great way to go out. The crash sequence in this movie is dynamite. The way it's shot, yeah. it's it's awesome. Yeah, I I just it it has all the things that you expect in a Dario Argento movie. It doesn't to me feel like a Dario Argento movie. the 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 way it's shot, it doesn't. It just doesn't feel. It's it's similar in the way it's shot as the card player. In that, yeah, yeah. It it's sort of. Okay, it could have been Argento, it could have been someone else. Sure, sure. Unlike the card player, which is played very straight and it's more like an episodic movie that could have been shot by anybody, this has the at least the story flourishes that you're expecting from a Dar Argento movie, um, and you know some some good gore sequences and a blind prostitute and a kind of a fun I'm not fun a sweet relationship between her. And this this boy and, you know, he's in a tough situation and they sort of bond together. And uh, that's something that you don't see in a lot of his movies, kind of vulnerability and two people trying to team up that are both in a tough situation and, and, and sticking together. So, yeah, you don't I often do, you don't I, watch Argento movies and go, what a nice friendship, you know, <laughs> right, <laughs> what, right. What a nice friendship right. that involved, you know, like that doesn't happen in Argento movies. 
Um, I didn't love this movie, but it like when I watched Dark Glasses, the, the thing that did stick out to me was that car wreck scene that you both mentioned. Yeah, it's a great scene. Um, when I watched Dark Glasses, I it made me just want to watch his other earlier sure, films. Sure, sure. But I agree, like coming out of, you know, all the stuff from the uh, 90s through now, it's definitely the best one that, you know, post-opera really my opinion yeah i mean you you you, i wanted to throw something on there knowing that it's probably going to to keep my list from from winning anything but you know like when you look at the latter part of his career you know um i just think you know i wanted something to represent it and i feel like this is a pretty good representation that said i feel like a lot of his movies kind of don't quite feel like him a dracula 3d doesn't even quite feel like argento but but maybe to a degree you know uh some of those later ones they just don't feel like those early ones but this one at least gets close it gets close all right well there's still there's still really one movie that i think is is amazing that's, okay that okay hasn't made the list it wasn't on my top five but it's one that i could see going here at number five we'll see if mark picks it for the final pick in the dario argento draft mark what are you going with in your final round here I'm going with 2001 Sleepless. Oh, okay. All you right. know, here's here's the thing, and I just watched this again. Um, it is, it is, it it's a very Dario Argento movie. Um, you have someone being murdered by a French a piccolo. What what is that? A flute, uh, which is, and it's an extremely gory death, given that you're being murdered by a musical instrument. It is a return to a mystery giallo whodunit. You have Max von Sydow looking exactly as he did in The Exorcist, uh, <laughs> playing a retired police detective. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have, uh, of, again, prostitutes, one of his favorites, uh, uh, being being um, tracked down by this killer. Uh, you have, uh, you know, it, it's a, a sequ- some very gory death scenes. It also is very, very long, way too long <laughs> than it needs to be. But that is yeah. at times a, a Dario Argento uh, flourish is I'm going to have very long dialogue sequences that could have been tightened up a lot, but we're going to do it. Um, and it's also shot like a Dario Argento movie. A lot of moving camera work, a lot of very odd angles the the train sequence is really well done in the in the beginning uh i when i first watched this movie i didn't enjoy it so much but again i was influenced by the fact that i had i was still frequently watching deep red and suspiria and and inferno and phenomena watching this one a little bit separated from that time in my life i really appreciate that he was i think in this case really trying to do a true to form i'm going to go back to just doing a straight up giallo murder mystery with a ton of gore and a surprise ending although you kind of know who the killer is in this one really early on it's not like they give it away like in some of his other movies like in in the movie giallo where you know who the killer is the whole time but if if you're paying even mild attention you'll know who it is but that being said um i enjoyed it and i think that uh if you're looking for one of his later movies that feels a little bit, at least like some of his earlier stuff, this one I think gets pretty close. 
Okay. This is one I haven't seen either. So I really, I've always loved the box art, like the, um, not the one on the, the Blu-ray that you've got, Ryan, but yeah, the, the mm-hmm. like red streaks on a window. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. also one, I think, uh, they, the put the lady, she's playing the harp as well. That's a, that's uh. a, a big image, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I almost put sleepless here. I mean, this is, this is, they're both, they both are similar to me, Dark Glasses in this, and that they are, I feel like they're both legitimate attempts uh, by Argento to say, come come on back. I know I've done, and Sleepless definitely being that because I think he had just made Phantom of the Opera and everyone was like, oh my God, what was that? And he was like, wait, wait let me just go back and do the stuff I did before. It's very much a regurgitation of his own stuff, but I mean, can you? It's Argento regurgitating Argento. That's not terrible. Right. I'm not. I'm not hating somebody for that. Um, if somebody else was regurgitating Argento, maybe we could have. But him doing it, he deserves it. There's even one part of it that is a direct ripoff of Deep Red. Yeah, yeah. Which I won't give away. <laughs> yeah, but it's like yeah. you did this exactly mm-hmm. in another mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. But. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know, um, and it's. It's definitely got some more questionable stuff in it than maybe Dark Glasses, which in a way is also what you're watching Argento movies for. Because you're like, what is, why did he think this would work? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I agree. It's, it's definitely like, you know, I was kind of choosing between th- this or Dark Glasses. I just decided to go Dark Glasses because I, uh, I just, you know, I'm just so happy he made another movie that wasn't Dracula 3D. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, and Max von Sydow, we can't can't go wrong with that. Well, let's recap the list here. Ryan, your final five, Suspiria, Tenebrae, Inferno, Four Flies on Grey Velvet, and Dark Glasses. Mark, you've got Deep Red, Phenomena, Opera, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, and Sleepless. I have no idea how this is going to go when it comes to voting. <laughs> I don't this know either. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> uh, this is probably going to be like the closest one we've had yet. Before we get to your last pleas for the listeners mm. to uh, really sway people towards your list, are there any films that you're surprised did not make anybody's list? I'm surprised Mark didn't pick Trauma. I know he's been into Trauma. <laughs> mm. I thought he might. I thought he might pick that one. Vinegar Syndrome yeah. release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and filmed in I, Minneapolis. I about it. Yeah, yeah. His his first American movie. Uh, I, you know, I thought about it. I just, I've watched that movie several times because I want to like it more, but it, it just, there's some parts of it that work, but most of it just doesn't work. And I really want to like it. It has, it's like all the ingredients are there and you eat the final dish and you're like, boy, something went wrong in the cooking of this because it's just not tasting yeah. right. Mostly it's because he brings Tom Savini on to do uh, the gore effects for a killer that chops people's heads off. And then he's like, let's not go gory, which is like, <laughs> what then what was the point of even just let Tom Savini yeah. have the day off then? I mean, what is the point of even dragging him into the whole thing? But yeah, there is something that's not quite right, but... The Vinegar Syndrome disc at least looks a lot better than I remember when I saw it when it first came out on video, and it did not look good. And I was so excited for a new Argento. I was like, this is going to be great. Oh, nope, it's not very good. 
I was surprised that you didn't throw Stendhal syndrome on there. No, no. Oh, that's <laughs> no. probably the worst uh, Argento film that I've ever seen. Well, you've yet to watch Phantom of the Opera, so you know. To be fair, true. Uh, no, I think the other one, if we talk about friendships uh, somehow being in there, Cat of Nine Tales does have a nice friendship in there. It's a, but it's a little. I love it. I love the way it's shot. I mean, it's like I'll I'll watch that anytime. You know, of course, but it's it's like to me of the animal trilogy, it's last for me. I know that's not the case for a lot of people, so probably a lot of people might be like, "What? Why did they not put that one on there?" But it's a little like it's it's a little long. It it's a little slow. So you know, for me, it you know, I just you know, I know Carl Malden. I mean, I get it. There's a lot of good stuff in there, but uh, and you know, they do they do become good pals. But I just it's you know. It's it's not one that I'm I'm rushing to put on, but I I'd watch it any time. But I I'm not racing to see that one next, you know. Yeah, I thought that that's one of the ones that I was a little surprised didn't make it. But looking at both lists, I mean, you've got the bird with the crystal plumage on there, which I think is better than Cat of Nine Tails. And if uh, Four Flies on Gray Velvet is is as good as you say it is, then you know maybe it's not as necessary on these lists as your number fives. Like I said, real close matchup, and it might come down to your final plea here to sway listeners. Mark, since you drafted second, you're going to be the first to be able to go. Well, you, you get the choice. Do you want to rebut first, or do you want to go second? I want to hear Ryan's uh, defense <laughs> for his list before I, you know, oh, of course. Okay. Before of course. I give you my, my, uh, my passionate plea for your okay. votes. Ryan, why should listeners vote for your five versus Mark's? Okay, well... I think we have celebrated Argento uh, by going through the breadth of his career. Uh, we don't maybe start at the exact beginning, but we get close to the beginning. We see his early giallo period. We see his wild experimentations with uh, spirituality and creatures and the way that that affects his filmmaking and Suspiria and then into Inferno. We get back to his one of his best giallos ever in Tenebrae. And then we ended off with, you know, his return to the subgenre that he helped popularize. He didn't create, but he helped make it popular and created this boom. And even in his 80s, still put together some really good and intriguing sequences. I think this shows the entirety, in a way, as much as you can in five picks, the entirety of his career. Maybe you could say the last pick is a bit of a low, but I'm saying it's a high because this is the ending note that we get to get. At least, uh, for now, for now, maybe there's another movie that's coming, but that's our ending note. And isn't that better than Dracula 3D? <laughs> a passionate plea. And I think we'd all agree that it's better than Dracula 3D. Even if it didn't entirely work for me, Dracula 3D didn't work for me at all. <laughs> If you can push past the fact that Argento made Dracula 3D, you can have fun with it. The praying mantis and all the weird choices that he makes, but it's hard to look at that as an Argento film and go, yeah, this makes sense. This is like, you know, it's 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 rough in that regard. Had to be a passion project. He just had to get out. <laughs> I always, this is my theory. It's a retirement movie because they got a lot, they got a huge budget. I think it's like a $7 million budget. And he brings back his DP from Suspiria. And I think it was them just saying, hey, we're, we're I think uh, it was a Spanish production. They got a bunch of money to do it. They're like, 
yeah, we'll tuck a couple mil for each one of us. Just go out with this weird bang and we'll do it. You know Get what I mean? Ruger Hauer in there. Yeah. Right. I think that's what I think. I don't know for sure. There's nothing to say that that's true, but it's just a theory. Mark, final remarks for people to choose your five over Ryan's. Listen, my list is a bento box of Dario Argento. <laughs> when you're thinking, well, I want something, what's the one, what's the main course? What's the, what's the richest flavor I can get from Dario Argento? I submit to you deep red. It's got all the gore that you expect. It's a, it's a, just a, a, a real well thought, well done giallo in the purest sense. Uh, it has some comedy elements. It has one of the greatest setups of witnessing a murder, but you feel, but the main character is missing something. There was something in that moment that that person is missing. It's so well done. But then you're saying, okay, but. I don't want a lot. Of, I don't want something with too much sauce. There's something I can have on the side that's going to give me something a little lighter. Bird with the crystal plumage. Again, great setup sequences. Really great giallo. But you're not going to have. It's not too saucy. It's not too rich. You're. you're gonna, it's a lighter fare. Uh, but then you're saying, okay, but I really also feel like my palate needs. What's the most crazy thing that you can serve me? I, uh, okay, how about needles taped to your eyelids in opera? There's a nice little side dish for you. Uh, and then, you know, everyone needs a little protein. Insects are a great source of protein. Phenomena has a girl who can talk with insects. Imagine if she could just call the insects to your plate right now. You'd have a bounty of protein waiting for you and then at the end when you're like i don't know i feel like is there some palate cleanser is there some dessert that i could get that sort of has all the pieces of this in one sleepless it's gonna have the gore it's gonna have the giallo it's gonna have some wild camera angles and it's gonna have scenes that last too long (laughs) and that's (laughs) what makes it great and you're gonna leave that restaurant and you're going to say, I had the best five courses I could have ever had. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm just going to say, I, I, Mark, you might have uh, you might have swayed me mm, with, that, damn. with that final damn. response. Damn. We're going to see, though, if it works on the rest of the listeners. After you listen to this, the voting will be up four, in four days. So make sure to listen. Make sure to uh, tell your friends to listen, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see who comes out on top here. New World Pictures came through on this one. Uh, just amazing lists and amazing uh, explanations. I can't wait to see what people do with this. Me too. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. And thank yeah. you very much for having us. Yeah. this was so Thanks much a lot. Fun. Yeah, this is a this blast. A blast. Uh, whatever happens, whatever a list they pick, like the main thing is like I just love Dario Argento, man. Like. I mean, I hope that uh, we've represented him well. I think we have. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's I'm just happy that we got to sit here and talk about Argento for a while. I could I could do this every day. <laughs> Agreed. I've got a couple on my list uh, I need to get to. So Inferno and Four Flies on uh, Grey Velvet. I'm going to have to check those out. So who's going to win this draft? Well, that is up to you, list nerds. Check the Twitter at Force5Pod. Check the Instagram 
at Force 5 Podcast. Check the Cinematics Facebook page. Those are the places where you will be able to vote. Voting will be up in a couple of days, so go and please make your vote heard. Links to everything Force 5 and New World Pictures are going to be in the show notes. Links, social media, all that stuff. I make it easy for you to support them. I make it easy for you to support me. And another way you could support me, please go and review the Force 5 podcast wherever you listen. Spotify, Apple, Good Pods, Stitcher. I don't know, wherever you can rate, review the podcast. Google Podcasts, if you listen there, just rate rate and review the show. And by the way, let me know if you like the draft episodes. I'm trying to figure out how to work them in. But if you're like, I hate these draft episodes, let me know. I want to know how to work these in and if I need to work these in. Theme songs today come courtesy of Nate Spears. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, go watch some Argento movies, and go vote on the winner of this draft. We'll be right back.